This is the Future Forward Aarhus podcast, where we're exploring tomorrow, today, on the radio. Catch us live Wednesdays at 6 p.m. on Student Aarhus Radio. Hi, I'm Lucia Camblor. Hi, I'm Xiyu Chen. Welcome to the second season of Future Forward Aarhus, where you explore the future with us. Every other week, we bring you the stories of people in Aarhus and Central Jutland and their views on technology, innovation, and new ideas that will shape the future. So far, we have explored the future of migration, relationships, and most recently, language. On today's episode, we will dig in the future of education. You are listening to Future Forward Aarhus on Sudenterhus Radio. Yes, today we are going to talk about education. But before that, Lucia, do you know that there's a strike in the public sector of Denmark recently? Yes, I know. The public and the private sector haven't had an equal pay increase for some time. The unions are fighting for an equal pay increase, saying the public sector is underpaid. Mm, as far as I know, that the teachers' union is demanding better working hours for the teachers. And also, my professor told me that there's a background Some people are criticizing the teachers in the primary schools and high schools. They think that the teachers don't teach their children enough knowledge. Hmm. Why do they think the teachers are not doing a good job? I've read a piece of article saying that the government has formed a committee to supervise the education quality in schools. And their feedback showed that teachers spending a little bit more time playing with the students rather than teaching. So you mean children lack discipline? It is true that in European countries, education tends to focus on the individual and gives a lot of freedom and space to the students, trying to respect their own personality. Yes, I can feel that. Then there's also a funny story about it. A documentary funded by the Danish government put some grade nine Danish students and their Chinese counterparts together and let them compete in different subjects like mathematics, reading, creative work, and so on. Oh, really? And what was the result of it? Mm, you know, the academic competition in China is quite fierce, and the Chinese students in the documentary won the competition with Danish kids. So after the documentary, some Danish people started to rethink about their education system. But I really wonder if it really makes sense to compare them because they are so different between each other. Yeah, that's true. I agree with you. Education is quite a complicated issue that involves students, teachers, technology, society, and anything like that. Exactly. That is why we believe it's worth giving a space in our program to the subject of education and exploring it a bit more. Yes. So today? First, if you would like to go with me, I would like to take you to a place very iconic here in Oz. We will go to a space designed for relaxing, discussing, and studying. You might have guessed it. The Argentinian writer José Luis Borges already said it. He said something like, I have always imagined that paradise will be kind of a library. And perhaps he's right. If you don't believe it, just hear it by yourself. So first, we will have a walk through the Royal Danish Library in Aarhus. Then we will take a closer look at MOOCs, literally the massive online open course, and how new technology is reshaping the picture of the education nowadays. Finally, we will have a look at a different kind of educational program. Chaos Pilot, a school founded over 25 years ago that aims to give the students the best tools for the future. You are listening to Future Forward Aarhus on Sudenterhus Radio. 
You know, for person like me who doesn't have strong self-discipline, always need help to focus on study. <laughs> yes, exactly, Shibi. And a library might be the right place to go. Nowadays, libraries are facing big challenges. Statistics Denmark shows that 85% of the population between 16 and 89 years old use the internet on a daily basis. So today, more and more people surf from the internet to gather information rather than go to a library to read a book. Yeah, definitely. Since people's using habit is changing, the library is trying to better adapt to people's new behavior and new needs. Is the library doing well in this fast-changing society? I think the Royal Danish Library is a good example of how to respond to that challenge. Users do not borrow so many books. They prefer to have a welcoming place where they can meet and be stimulated by the atmosphere. Yeah, so let's follow Lucia's step and explore the conventional library's future ambition. Imagine the following. You need to hand in an assignment for tomorrow. You don't want to go home because you will get distracted. Where do you go? Libraries are fundamental workspaces for students. However, in times when every piece of information can be found on the internet, which is the function of a library nowadays? I went to the Royal Danish Library, one of Aarhus Central Libraries, to find out how it is adapting to a fast-changing society. You probably wouldn't expect that. A waterfall inside a library. This is the latest remodeling in the Royal Danish Library. Eric Hofmeister, Deputy Director of the Royal Danish Library, explained to me how the building has changed over time. In, I started at the university back in the uh, 80s and I sat in the, in the big uh, reading room where you have to be very quiet. At that time, the library was physical books, it was uh, the reading room and uh, it was a canteen. But today it's a lot of other things, a lot of other things. Hofmeister asked the users how he could improve the library. And the answer was clear. Students didn't want just books. They wanted different spaces where they could relax and interact with each other. So, for example, a table tennis, a meditation corner, a massage chair. Those are things that belong to the library and they have turned out to be favorite sports for many. My favorite spot in the library is definitely the basement and specifically the reading nooks at the end the blue reading nooks. And then what I also liked about the library is that the coffee and the tea are pretty cheap and affordable for students. So like while reading or while studying, it's really good to like once in a while go and grab a cup of coffee. The reading room, guess because uh, I think it's easy to uh, get concentrated and focused uh, when there are silence. The massage chairs, because I never saw a massage chair in a library in university, so I'm really happy that they are here and I try to use them as often as I can. So, still, silent rooms continue to be important in the library. But library treasures many other possibilities. So the plan for the future is just one thing, 
to continue adapting to the user's necessities. I think that we will develop um, in, in a way that we have started now, listening to what the user's needs, what they want us to be, and uh, I think we will um, still be in a very important dialogue with the users, with the students, and I think it's very important that we have this dialogue uh, listening to what the users are, uh, ha have a different kinds of needs, not only uh, for for digital uh, dig digital um, uh, services, but also for the physical services. So I think that um, the user perspective is very important for us. So, Lucia, how often do you go to library? What kind of improvements do you think the library could make? Well, it depends on the week, but normally twice a week. Regarding the improvements, well, I think one of the problems the Royal Danish Library might face in the short term is that there are too many students going there, so they will need more space. You are listening to Future Forward Aarhus on Sudenterhus Radio. The new technology is really playing a more and more important role in the development of education. For example, there's a huge trend of study online initiated by tech startups like MOOCs and Coursera. The vision of these platforms is to provide free and equal access to quality higher education to everyone in everywhere. But now they are facing criticism and questioning. So why is that happening? Have you ever heard of MOOC? MOOC, which stands for Massive Open Online Course. It is a new tool for people who want to take university courses. Some may ask, study online is not a new thing. Then why is MOOC new? Well, unlike the previous online courses offered by education institutions, MOOC is usually carried out by tech startups like Coursera and edX, which function as a platform to collect and present educational resources from famous universities all around the world. For example, Harvard, Stanford, Princeton, and so on. More importantly, it is free for anyone who'd like to learn. All you need is a computer or a mobile device and the internet connection. Sophie, a Chinese girl majoring in finance engineering, just finished her study on Coursera. Well, I studied machine learning on Coursera, which is a very uh, famous open course platform, last year for around six months. The subject, as I mentioned, was machine learning. It is kind of an AI-related subject. I chose it because, you know, AI and uh, machine learning was very niche and everyone was talking about it at that time. But not a lot of people really knew what it is. So I decided to learn more about it. Sophie's case is a perfect example of the young people who choose MOOC as a major way to do their part-time study. She has a good payment job in Beijing. And before working, she has already got two master's degrees from two prestigious universities in and outside China. You may say she is really a smart and diligent girl. But this is also the reason why MOOCs, like Coursera, are facing questioning and even criticizing. In a public speech, the co-founder of Coursera, Daphne Kohler, described 
their vision and goal. By having this amazing content be available, we would be able to learn something new every time we wanted, whether it's just to expand our minds or to change our lives. And finally, this would enable a wave of innovation, because amazing talent can be found anywhere. Maybe the next Albert Einstein or the next Steve Jobs is living somewhere in a remote village in Africa. And if we could offer that person an education, they would be able to come up with the next big idea and make the world a better place for all of us. However, by quoting the user data from the different MOOC platforms, the New York Times pointed out that the average student in a MOOC is not a Turkish villager with no other access to higher education, but a young white American man with a bachelor's degree and a full-time job. That is to say, although the vision of MOOC is to promote educational equality, it is actually contributing to a more polarized situation. Students from an advantageous environment know how to make better use of MOOC to advance their study and achieve their goal, while students with a poor background is hardly to be seen on the platform, not even to say compete with the former ones. The second criticism about MOOC is that the fail rate is quite high when students taking MOOCs. There is a famous experiment. At Saint Jose State University in the United States, in one of the MOOC class, just 25% of students passed. In another, only 50% passed. Much lower than for the conventional way of teaching. Thirdly, to finish the course, it requires great self-motivation and strong self-discipline. Sophie also felt pressure when trying to finish the course on time, and. She didn't make it. Yes, I finished my course, but、uh, you know,、uh, I didn't finish it on time. On Coursera, they would give you, they they will give you a suggested plan or schedule to finish、uh, your course. Mine was designed to be finished actually in three months, but I was too busy on my work, so anyway, um, I delayed it. Henrik Buga, associate professor. From School of Communication and Culture in Aarhus University, told Future Forward Aarhus that his perception of the rise of MOOCs is a phenomena resulting from the co-working factors of economical and ideological. That these online possibilities, maybe they have more attraction in in countries where there is a great sort of diversity and a lot of people cannot afford to go to university. Or either they live way out in a place where it's very difficult to travel from. In my view, at least, from my experience, I think those kind of courses will be a very valuable supplement. But I don't think they will ever be the core of education. Some people treat the emerge of MOOCs as a new trend of development of education, together with a spread out of innovation wave and entrepreneurial tide. Originating from the Silicon Valley in U.S., the concept of MOOC become overwhelming around the world. But will it become a dominant power in the education arena? Henrik said. I think it's partly an economical decision, but also to some extent an ideological decision, or sort of in terms of values. I think in terms of money, you can attract very large numbers of students. And you don't have to spend money on facilities like lecture halls, 
all these things. So you can have a big number of students who, of course, will not pay. But it's, uh, I think also it's, it's a branding issue. So if you have a very well-attended online course, it's something that people talk about and something that people value. Then, when talking about the future of education, what will come into your mind? Henrik's idea is to combine conventional teaching methods with new technologies. For him, the most important part of education is the personal interaction between the real persons. What I would like to do, and I think we should be better at, is to take some of the possibilities of the new technology and integrate it much more in more into conventional teaching. And I would really like to experiment with that, how we can make online aspects more integrated into conventional teaching. Because I think if you can combine those in a good way, face-to-face, -face, with something that happens in between meetings online, I think you can make something really interesting. And that is something that I would like to try and do more. So people work with different things online and, and sort of you have an, in, an interaction both off and online. I think for me that would be sort of be to take the best of both worlds, face-to-face -face classroom thing. I think that's a big part of education for me at least. So have you ever taken any courses online, Lucia? I got enrolled on a very cool course about learning how to learn, where the professor, Barbara Oakley, explained some techniques to improve learning. Well, nice. So do you feel any problem or difficulty when doing your study online? Yes, definitely. The course was well-structured, and it was not difficult to follow the material. But I did it because of personal interest, so it was hard for me to be persistent and to finish it. Yeah, I got your point. That's why I totally agree with Henrik's idea that future education should be an integration of conventional teaching methods and the application of new tech. We will be back with more on education after the break. You are listening to Future Forward Aarhus on Student Aarhus Radio. Have you ever wondered what your true potential is? How to make a difference in the world? Here in Aarhus, there is an institution that will help you figure that out. Chaos Pirate, a business and design school, offers a three-year program for change makers, leaders, and social entrepreneurs. Yes, the school has been founded over 25 years ago, but wants to provide an education that will keep students best for the future. How they aim to do that? Lisa has talked to Aaron Metzka, a current student of Chaos Pilot, about which skills we actually need for work, the dangers of burnt outs, and how passion translates into income. Education at the Chaos Pilot is more about lightening a fire. Meet Aaron. Aaron is 26 years old from Freiburg in southern Germany and a Chaos Pilot. A Chaos Pilot? Yes, you've heard correctly. Founded in 1991, Chaos Pilot is a school for innovation and entrepreneurship here in Aarhus. And Aaron? Aaron is one of the current students graduating this summer. Half of the semester, the students are learning theoretical concepts in project management, business development, creative leadership and process consultation. Then, the students go out into the labor market for projects to apply what they've learned beforehand. So I got to um, 
work in Sweden to support an NGO there. I worked with Doctors Without Borders. Um, I worked in Cambridge with a startup company. I worked with um, the state government in Austria. I worked uh, in South Africa for NGOs and tech startups and also art projects. And um, now in my last year, I've been um, traveling in Germany, Amsterdam, Oslo and Denmark to implement my own kind of concept. Aaron has invited me over into his cozy kitchen he shares with his roommates in the city center of Aarhus. He offers me tea and kumquats while we talk about how Chaos Pilot envisions to be the best school for the world. I think education is about having a dialogue and exploring diff different, different opportunities. But this is not what he experienced in high school. As a student who focused on economics, Aaron was not satisfied with the way the subject was taught. We have the solutions and you're the, you're the student and you have to shut up. But what he wanted was to be encouraged to think critically. That's how he ended up becoming a chaos pilot, a study program that is very hands-on, as Aaron describes. Instead of talking about case studies, students get in touch with real companies. I believe that it's not a matter of knowing, but an, a matter of implementation, like we have gotten so many beautiful books and so many beautiful articles about a lot of things. Um, but but like how to put it into action, I think that is a big challenge um, generally. And uh, so that's what Chaos Pilots are supposed to learn or been trained in. Business Week has recognized Chaos Pilot as one of the best design schools in the world. Fast Company has named it in its Startup League's Big Ten, preparing students for the fast-moving startup economy. Empowering people to to do what they want to do. That is the aim of Chaos Pilot. Whether it's about empowering other people, facilitating networks, or even becoming a writer, it does really matter. Chaos Pilot is about finding what is unique about that person and equipping them with the skills to bring forward what he or she wants to bring forward. Aaron aims to bring people closer to what they want to do and support them in reconnecting what is meaningful to them. Yeah, I'm personally very interested in uh, enlightening the fire in others. I'm working with um, self-actualization. Uh, evolve human capacity and uh, evolve human consciousness. So I facilitate workshops where people, um, yeah, through breathing and through other um, like transformative practices like meditation and um, and just like process work, where where I, for example, would ask people, so what has been meaningful in what has been meaningful for you in the last five years, and from there people can reconnect to to what is meaningful and, and kind of explore that from within while giving them some yeah inspiration or like through guided meditation some kind of like i okay this is this is something i could could explore the education is structured in a way that is student focused the normal education system is like filling a bucket aaron criticizes uh, it's like about pressing as much knowledge into the students as possible where the education at the chaos pilots is more about lightening a fire the skill set taught at Chaos Pilot helps the students to stay relevant in the future. So we know that like um, around yeah, 30% of the jobs we have today are not going to exist in 10 years' time or 15 years' time because they're going to be outsourced and replaced through robotics. And, and so I think that qualities that help us to navigate in the world, like resilience, like the ability to reflect upon your own behavior and your own actions and your patterns and, and like change them or call it emotional intelligence like compassion self-regulation and 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 just think like like just things like critical thinking and and creativity like that that's gonna be way more important 
than than knowledge about how our world works. Nonetheless, Aaron is aware of the weaknesses and challenges Chaos Pilot is facing. One of the things that could be improved are scientific standards. Like one of the things which could be probably improved is like to to work more um, scientifically, like bulletproven science facts kind of. Um, um, academic. Okay, there are people who are very capable of doing that. Students who actually have a bachelor or master degree or who have already studied law or graphic design or different kind of things. So obviously there are some people who have an academic background, but then there's also just like a lot of social entrepreneurs who are just doing their thing and they don't really care about the, the, cor like the scientific correctness. Another challenge Chaos Pilots is facing is the stress level. And, and once my friend said, like, only if you burn for something, you can burn out. A lot of people are diving into the community and want to do a lot of things, Aaron explains. That's beautiful, but it's also like, can also be slightly overwhelming. But in the end, is passion enough to translate into an income? A third is like having their own company. Aaron explains that in the beginning, chaos pilots are not as high paid as university graduates, but shortly after rise in the career ladder. He assumes it's because they're trained in emotional intelligence, communication and how to express themselves. Chaos pilots are quite relaxed about finding a job right after graduation, especially because of the alumni network of more than 600 people that has very strong ties. Not knowing what's going to happen next is not something chaos pilots are afraid of. Hmm, sounds like a great program. But one question, who can be your chaos pilot? You can become one if you hurry up. Aaron told me that the application process is still open until March 19th. You need to be at least 21 years old and have a creative project up your sleeve that you can pitch. Uh, and is there any other possibility to get involved with Chaos Pilot? People who are less interested in pursuing an education but eager about entrepreneurship should check out their professional programs and collaboration opportunities. Okay, thanks Lisa. Check out our Facebook page for more information on Chaos Pilot. You are listening to Future Forward Aarhus on Sudenterhus Radio. You're listening to Future Forward Aarhus, where we are talking about the future of education. So far in this episode, we have talked about libraries, open online courses and Chaos Pilot. Yes, that's it for today's show. If you like what you've heard, Subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash futureforwardarhus. Today's show was produced and hosted by me, Lucia Kamblor. And me, Xi Yuchen. Mustika Hapsoro is our technical editor. And Lisa Oba also contributed reporting. Our jingle was mixed by Xiao Liang with music by Simon Masuson. Be sure to tune in for our next show. We will talk to you in the future. Future Forward Aarhus podcast, where we're exploring tomorrow, today, on the radio. Catch us live, Wednesdays at 6 p.m. on Student Aarhus Radio. radio.